for being on i really appreciate it and uh you look awesome man i appreciate that thanks for having me yeah yeah i saw your whole thing about the cali barbecue and your food and i was like oh man i love talking to chefs i love <laughs> learning well, i don't i don't want to disappoint you i'm not actually the cook i'm more <laughs> uh you know jerry jones the owner of the dallas cowboys he doesn't throw football so i, I, I like to <laughs> I like to think of myself as a little bit, a little bit more versatile, but okay. I've got incredible pit masters that they know what they're doing. So I, I let them do their thing. Man, that's awesome. Well, how'd you get involved in all this? Uh, it's, you know, 2008, um, the height of the economic recession, we had an opportunity to take over an existing breakfast restaurant. Um, it was me and one of my best friends from college. And it was in a part of San Diego that they tell you uh, in real estate and in site selection, location, location, location. Mm -hmm. Well, this was probably one of the most challenging locations um, that we could have picked in the most challenging of times. But we thought that we could bring a sports entertainment concept to a breakfast restaurant and in an underserved community. You know, there was just really no place for families to go and enjoy a good breakfast, to enjoy NFL Sunday. Um, to bring, watch NBA playoffs, watch Padres baseball. Uh, and we thought that if we did something cool and unique and had some great food and hospitality, that maybe we could do something that hadn't been done before in that part of San Diego. And, you know, 13 years later, we failed a lot. Uh, we, we figured out running a restaurant is a very difficult business, <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, we, we relied a lot on, on the internet, to be honest okay. with you, you know, we, learned how to build our brand and use the smartphone, use Facebook, use Yelp, use Google, um, improve our website, do a lot of things that a lot of restaurant owners didn't have to do because they were successful. Um, we weren't successful. So we had to do a lot of things that were unconventional, um, you know, relying on all these different apps and relying on learning how to brand ourselves. And that gave us a competitive advantage. Um, you know, now we're a barbecue media company. So not only are we serious about barbecue, we're serious about media and storytelling and helping other small business owners and entrepreneurs learn how to unlock the power of the smartphone and build relationships yeah. all over the globe. What was one of the more unconventional things that you did during that time to start getting <laughs> things going? Well, getting into barbecue, I guess, is un unconventional. <laughs> you know, from being from San Diego, there's yeah. so many um, incredible places in the United States that are what we consider the meccas of barbecue. So whether it's St. Louis or Austin, Texas, or Memphis, the Carolinas, there's so many places where you think of, of barbecue, that's um, typically where you think of, you don't think of the West Coast as a place where you're doing craft barbecue, low and slow uh, barbecue. But we knew that if we did something that was unique and different in our area, that we could create a competitive advantage. And back in 2009, 2010, when we became a barbecue restaurant and kind of went all in on barbecue, there really wasn't many places in San Diego that was doing low and slow. If you, you know, you smoke the meat, it's once you're out, you're out. Um, yeah. 
that, that was a, it was different and unique for, for our place. And it became the best thing that we did was kind of going all in on barbecue. So I've been to San Diego many times. I love San Diego. It's an awesome place. Um, what made you think people were ready for barbecue there? You know, I think one of the things about San Diego, I mean, it's just an incredible place. Obviously, we pay a lot of money to, to live where we live, to have, <laughs> right. you know, all these privileges. But right. people from all over the world come to San Diego and they move to San Diego, too. So we're, you know, a city of transplants, people that come. And the cuisine here is so varied. You know, it, it just so many different cultures, so many different backgrounds. And people love barbecue, no matter where you go on the planet. You know, I talk a lot about bar American barbecue, but we've been cooking with fire since we were cavemen, you know, mm -hmm. so no matter where you are in the world, live fire, what barbecue means to you is something different, you know, whether it's grilling, whether it's slow smoking, if you're cooking with fire and it's live, then, you know, typically there's going to be proteins and probably some vegetables and that you're barbecuing. So um, we, we knew San Diego would be ready for it. That's interesting. Now, did you go to other places to, kind of get on the ground about barbecue, like the Carolinas and Texas and all that? Was that your background in that and learning about it? Or what was it? I had a mentor. So I reached okay. out, um, you know, the reason why we got into barbecue was, uh, we care a lot about youth sports. I was lucky to be raised by my immigrant grandfather from Bulgaria. He was born in a village, my, my grandmother, who's Japanese, but I, I grew up with privilege. I grew up with the ability to play any sport that I wanted. You know, they paid for coaches, they paid for um, league fees, they paid for uniforms. And I met so many of my friends that I have to this day on the basketball court, on the tennis court, on the football field. And for me and my business partner, he grew up in sports. We thought it was important for us serving barbecue and being a restaurant and being in the hospitality business to give back to our community. There was a lot of youth in our community that didn't have the opportunities that we had. And we thought that if we could give back and help with league fees or help with gift cards or help with fundraisers, we were going to do that. That was going to be part of our business model. So we did that and we started doing so much of that on a reoccurring basis that we said, you know, maybe there's a way to spend, you know, more time and make a bigger impact if we do one annual event instead of doing all these micro events. And we said, well, why don't we do a community event where we, you know, host something and bring people together to, to make an impact on a little league team, a Pop Warner team, you know, somebody that needs the help. And we decided on doing an amateur barbecue contest. Well, that's great if anyone knows how to put on an amateur barbecue contest, but <laughs> nobody knew. So I had to go to Google and put in, you know, how do you put on an amateur barbecue contest? And it sent me to Kansas City Barbecue Society, which essentially is the NFL of professional barbecue. It's Whoa. the sanctioning body <laughs> for professional barbecue contests. And they gave me three people locally that could possibly help me with this task. And one of them was Gene Goicochea, somebody here in mm -hmm. San Diego. He said, you know, if you're doing it for the kids and if you're doing it for the right reasons, I'll come and help you put this event on. We put on a successful amateur barbecue event that first year. And he said, if you want to learn how to do barbecue the right way, I'll teach you how to do barbecue the right way. Um, you can add barbecue to your menu. Uh, I'll let you use my smokers. I used to compete professionally and win national championships, used to host professional barbecue contests. So I said, absolutely, we'll, we'll learn how to do barbecue. This will be make us different, make us unique. Yeah. And that was kind of when we went all in. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. It's an amazing story. And then from that, you grew like this barbecue media company. I don't think I've ever heard <laughs> of like a barbecue media company. 
Well, yeah. we believe that everyone needs to be their own media company. I mean, you've built an incredible audience and you're, you're doing incredible things with your podcast and your podcast network because it's so important for people to get their voice out there and get their story out there. You know, my grandfather was born in a village on the other side of the world. He was born to be a farmer. He had to read every single book in that village. And he had, to, in order to read more books, he had to leave that village. So, yeah, that's right. you know, for him to give us a life of privilege where he became a medical doctor, immigrated, you know, was able to invest in real estate, gave me this incredible life of privilege. He was my father. I've never met my father, but like, it's because of storytelling. It's because of the, the stories that are happening yet. Now with digital, we're able to have a podcast, share this information with anybody that has internet access can download this story and go, I'm inspired to talk to my grandfather. I'm inspired mm. to talk to my grandmother. I'm inspired to share, you know, the stories that I hear at Thanksgiving maybe I can ask some questions to hear more about that story. And for me, that's just really what's inspiring. So I, I, I tip my hat to you for your being your own media company. And I think that, you know, anybody listening to this podcast, hopefully they're inspired to, to share their own stories online. You know, it's interesting. You said that I've had a couple of people say that to me. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to believe that they're their own media company. You know, I don't know. Sometimes it's weird to think that way. And yes. someone, because you don't, maybe you don't see yourself in that way, but, but you're becoming it and you don't even know it sometimes, you know? Yes. You're just doing well, stuff you love to do. It's, it's the craft, you know, so much of the, like we, we put so much emphasis on what words mean, mm. you know, and, and we're so subjective about words, but really when you get down to it, what are we doing in real life? In real life, you know, I talk to restaurant owners all the time. I have a podcast called Digital Hospitality. I'm fortunate to get asked to speak you know, to all different types of small businesses, all different types of tech companies to how to do their social media, how to, you know, create their own podcasts, how to create their own content. And what I tell them all the time is so many people, we have the fear. It's the fear that we're, how are we going to sound? How am I going to sound on the podcast? How am I going to sound in the video? You know, it's this fear of, well, I'm not going to go on selfie mode. I, I want my business. <laughs> I want my business to be where everybody is, which is on yeah. social media. I want yeah. my business to have a sexy video on Facebook. I want to be on TikTok. I want to have a cool LinkedIn profile, but I need to pay someone else to do it when the answer is to look in the mirror and to do it yourself. Yeah. But like, we're scared. Like, I, and it's that fear. I was scared. I was scared to do it myself. I was scared to go into selfie mode and to record my first 60 second video about barbecue because I had imposter syndrome. I didn't want yeah. people to look at it and go, who does this guy think he is? He's from San Diego. He doesn't know anything about barbecue. Right. You know, he's a chef. No, he's not a chef. I'm, and I'm openly admit that I'm yeah. not a chef. But once I got over my own fear and said, no one's going to tell the Cali barbecue media story better than I am because I'm living it. I'm just literally turning the camera on. Yeah. And it's that smartphone in the pocket. You know, when you think of media, you think of full production. Yes. You think you think of Hollywood. That's right. You, you That's think right. of local news and all these cameras and 4K and producers. And but no, the smartphone has gotten rid of all of that. Literally, you and I are are broadcasting yeah. a radio show to the entire world. Anybody that has an RSS feed, which is internet access, can hear mm -hmm. this show, which is so empowering once you do it. But you have to also, you do it and then you have to worry, well, how many people are going to listen? Right? Right. Well, I, I, want, I, I want to have great numbers. Everyone wants to have great numbers. Sure. But all you, all you need is an audience of one. That's true. Like you and I, you reaching out to me, we can have a connection. 
that's why I love podcasts. I mean, you've done over yep. 300 episodes. I've mm -hmm. done over 200 episodes, plus all the ones that I've been on. I've developed exactly. relationships with people that are all over the globe that literally have a friend in Australia that I've only met through a one hour podcast that if he came over here, he's, he's a brother now. That's right. Literally. That's right. You know, it's incredible. It is incredible. Actually, we speak the same language on this because, you know, I've done a lot of these podcasts. I was like, but the beautiful thing it is, is 300 plus hours of humans that I've talked to. Yes. Of relationships that I've built of hundreds of people that I can now just go back to. Yeah. And chat with, Hey, how's it going, Sean? Hey, has it like right before this, I had a podcast as a former DEA agent. Yes. And it was crazy. It was a crazy episode. Like all this stuff. I, all of a sudden I know this guy now. He 100%. knows me. It's no longer like, well, who is this person? Like, what do they want? And now we, now we have a familiarity with each other. And it's that curiosity, you know, it yes. forces, it forces you outside of your comfort zone. It forces you to ask questions, to be curious, to learn. Yeah. And once you start learning, you realize that it doesn't matter who you have on the show. Mm -hmm. We're all speaking a universal language. You know, yeah. we all have hopes. We all have dreams. We all have insecurities. You know, we all have fears. We all have mm -hmm. things that we're trying to accomplish. I want to be a better dad. I want to be yeah. a better husband. I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better owner. How do I do that? Well, every single day I get one chance and then I get yeah. a chance to do it again. But, you know, I'm going to fail along the way. I just have to be willing to continue to invest in myself, you know, in order to truly be selfless, like in order to truly make an impact, I have to learn how to be selfish and I have yeah. to learn how to make the, make the time and the commitment to myself to know that I need to be a better, better man. And how do I do that? You know, it's you know, funny I, how I do we, that by listening to podcasts. Yeah, that's true. And it's funny how some people are really good about being selfish and uh, some people, they struggle with that. Yes. That aspect. Like it's, it's hard sometimes, you know? Well, when I first, when I first, I had some personal struggles that I went through with my, my brother, my half brother, he got in some serious legal tr troubles that were national news coverage. He was on trial for attempted murder. It was a terrible accident that happened at a bar scene with a bunch of friends. They were all out drinking. They got into a stupid argument, a stupid fight, throwing punches. And one kid literally hit the, hit the pavement and went unconscious and, and died, unfortunately, yeah. tragically. And it was at a very difficult point in my life where I was taking care of my grandfather. I was taking care of my grandmother. I was the head of the household, even though I was you know, the grandson. Um, I was taking care of my uncles and my mom. And at that point... One of my closest friends, his father came to me and said, Sean, you know, I'm worried about you. Um, you know, I love you. I'm here for you. I'll, I'll listen to you. I'll be here from your corner, but maybe you should go see somebody. You should go see a therapist. And that was the first time I had ever considered that. And, you know, I was 26 years old. I said, okay, I'll do that. And I went to see the therapist. And what the therapist told me after a couple of sessions um, was, a, was a story that I could just never can get out of my mind. And she said, you know, Sean, when you're traveling on an airplane, and you're traveling with children, um, and they're going through the safety instructions, when the airbag, when the face mask, the air, the face mask comes down, what are you supposed to do with the face mask? Put it on yourself first, man. Right? Yeah. But isn't that counterintuitive it's to so you counterintuitive. As, as, a, as a man? Yeah. As a man, as a husband, as a, I wasn't even a father at that point. Yeah. But you think, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be chivalrous. I'm supposed to save the people yeah. around me. I'm supposed to put the mask on my kids. I'm supposed to put the mask on my wife. But if you don't put the mask on yourself first, you're no good to anybody else. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's just a struggle for people. It's like, 
well, I want to put myself out there. And sometimes I think that struggle is like, you don't want to come across as like this self-indulgent person, right? Just yes. super cocky, pretentious person. So maybe speak a little bit about how maybe people could feel like they're, 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 they're putting themselves out there, but they're not putting themselves in that danger. Or maybe they feel like they could become that type of person, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things when I talk to restaurant owners is <laughs> these restaurant owners are amazing people. I mean, the, yeah. the amount of effort and time and hopes and dreams and naysayers and people that have told them they can't do it, they won't do it. And they've worked so hard to get these restaurants open and they've survived through the pandemic. Yet I can't get them to turn on the video app on their phone to record a 60 second video of who they are and what they do. And I'm so interested in the psychology behind it. Hmm. You know, what is the psychology? How can somebody that's an entrepreneur, that's a business owner that has literally sold this idea, literally not only <laughs> right. sold the idea, but opened the business. Like, yeah, you know, you yeah. have to run a marathon before you even open the restaurant. And then you realize, oh my God, I actually have to run a business now. I have to be a profitable restaurant. Like you've done all that work yet when we're talking about content creation or storytelling mm -hmm. or social media, you know, it's like a turtle feel, you know, yeah. putting, going back inside the shell when ultimately it's that fear, you know, it's that fear that I had when I first started getting, you know, local news appearances where CBS or Fox five would ask us to come up to the news station and talk about barbecue. For me, I was terrified. You know, that's that imposter syndrome. Like yeah. I'm terrified to go and talk about that stuff, but I need to get over myself because all the magic happens once we start being vulnerable and we start sharing. Everybody's on their own hero's journey, right? So we're all on this hero's journey. So we all start, we have a problem, we have an obstacle, but then it's the middle part of that hero's journey. Everyone wants to go, I had a problem and I decided to go on this journey and then I became successful. But it's <laughs> literally the universal language is all the pain. Yeah. It's all the pain points. You know, all the great stories of all the great athletes, all the great entrepreneurs, any great story, any great script, anything that you've watched on Netflix, it's all the stuff in the middle. It's all the messy stuff. It's all the gray stuff. We want it to be a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Yeah. Right. But it really isn't. It's like once we start talking about our truths, once we start talking about I'm a, I'm a bar owner, that's an alcoholic. I've been yeah. in recovery since 2012. You know, that program of recovery every single day is day one for me. I've yeah. got to start over. But if I don't share that, then I'm not sharing my truth. Yeah. I feel like it's progressive, you know, maybe social media and things are progressing more with that because I feel like most of it in the past, or maybe it's some now, it's just always the good times or being yeah. a seller. You know, it's just always like, look how great things are. Mm -hmm. And everything's so great, but nobody's life is great all the time. And Correct. It's, there's, it's messy. That's a commonality we have, right? With this, there's messy times and there's just a lot of waiting, a lot of waiting in the middle. Yeah, a, a lot, lot of waiting. Man, and, you know, a lot. My, my mentor, David Meltzer, um, he's, he's taught me a very powerful statement. And that's that the truth vibrates the fastest. Hmm. When people hear truth, their ears perk up. When I share that I'm an alcoholic, people go, why did he just share that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because most people don't. Right. They most hide people it. don't share that they're in recovery. Right. I share it because I know that somebody that's listening to this podcast might think that they're alone. 
that they're the only That's one. True. That's true. How even that success, a- even successful people on the outside suffer. Yeah, of course. Oh, all you see is the success. Without, yeah. You just, it's just whole thing. And you're reaching for something that's not realistic that you're seeing regularly. Yeah. You're like, well, that person looks like they're happy all the time. Like, but who lives like that? Yep. <laughs> like, Correct. You know? But that's, you know, once you accept that, and once you realize there's other people that I can follow that they're speaking their truth. Yeah. Like we know it when we see it in our feed, whether yeah. it's on Instagram, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's YouTube, whether it's net, like whatever we're drawn to, mm-hmm. hopefully we're drawn to people speaking their truth. Yeah. And if they're speaking their truth, hopefully it encourages you, not motivates because motivates is only going to get you to do it once, but it inspires yeah. you when it inspires you, then you do it as a daily practice, as a daily habit. And then you get that exponential results of where you're doing something for the betterment of who you are. And then you actually make progress. Most definitely. So what would you say you learned in the process of doing all this stuff yourself and creating this barbecue media company? What have been some of the key takeaways? I mean, one of the biggest takeaways is definitely that it's bigger than barbecue. It's bigger Mm. than barbecue. It's bigger than restaurants. It's bigger than hospitality. Um, You know, this is a universal language. I spent four years with my grandfather helping him write his life story, um, how a Bulgarian farm boy grew wealthy in La Jolla, California. And it was the greatest gift that he gave me was that love of curiosity, that love of getting involved. I mean, I was a I was in uh, studying abroad in Spain and Alicante, Spain on the Mediterranean when he came to pick me up and he was 83 years old, um, traveling on the airplane, coming to pick me up. He has a diabetic, but for him, it was so important to take me back through all the countries that he had been in, in Europe Mm -hmm. to get, to become a medical doctor, but also to record, to get information for his book and spending that time with him. I remember going to Paris and going to the Cathedral de Notre Dame, going to Roland Garros, going to the Opera House and having him always 83 years old, the first person on the tour bus, always the first person asking the questions, always wanting to learn more so that he didn't miss anything and understanding that not missing anything by getting involved. You know, you're curious, your curiosity gets you somewhere. Your curiosity makes you listen to this podcast but then once you're there, what do you do with it? I mean, how many times have you been at a, at a presentation where somebody actually moved you? You had a teacher, a right. professor that moved you. But then did you ask a question? Did you wait and go speak with him afterwards? Did you follow up? All the people that follow up, all the people that do the unexpected instead of just going through life, they're the ones that actually make an impact. That's that inspiration. You're so right about that, man. We, we, we are vibrating on a similar level with that. <laughs> One thing I love to do, a lot of the people who've been on know this is whenever somebody comes to my podcast, it's never a one-off. Yeah. It's that person stays in my life. So like every couple months, I send a message like, hey, how are you doing? How's your life going? How can I encourage you? Be supportive of you. And what's always the funny thing is they're like, nobody does this to me normally. Mm-hmm. I never get these messages from anybody. Yeah. I was doing the things that are not done. Correct. Create something, this pull, this magnetism, this strength in, in, in building bonds. You know, that sounds like what you're doing. 
that it's become i love that bigger than barbecue though that's like a slogan yeah. <laughs> right that's bigger, it's than bigger than barbecue it's bigger than barbecue sorry texas everybody yeah. it's bigger I'm than sorry. Texas. it's way bigger than barbecue it's way bigger than bigger than barbecue and that it feels like it's a platform and it's larger than that yeah and that. you know it's it it's a great opportunity for me one of my greatest one of my favorite quotes is um from the great philosopher winnie the pooh <laughs> we will be friends forever just you wait and see <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, not often quoted in this com context. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, yeah I love the, the, bar great the barbecue media. The barbecue media guy dropping some Winnie. Is the that Pooh part points. of the whole plan? That you're That's always the plan. Out. It's always the plan. It's Winnie, like a Winnie, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie, Winnie the Pooh is a un, yeah. He isn't quoted enough, so I got to <laughs> give him some love. Make sure make sure he gets the respect yeah. he deserves. Well, tell me a little bit about the 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 coverage, the love that you've given these restaurant owners in a very trying, I guess you could say almost a couple of years almost now at this point with the pandemic. Yeah, you know, one of the coolest things about learning how to do social media marketing and digital marketing and understanding the internet is that we learned how to talk about ourselves. We learned how to promote ourselves. We learned how to promote our brand. But by doing that, we've transformed into a media company where we no longer have to go and talk about ribs and talk about barbecue mm. and talk about us. We can literally have conversations with people that inspire us, people that we admire, people that are doing cool things and create educational content. That's no longer about us, but it's how can we make useful content? How can we be so good that people can't ignore what we're doing? Right, right. Because then it's different. You know, then we're not showing up in somebody's feed as, you know, Hey, we're open for Memorial day. Come by barbecue. Like, well, great. Yeah. You and every other barbecue restaurant and every other burger restaurant and, you know, anybody else that's selling anything instead, let's make educational, useful content where someone else that's owns a restaurant that's literally trying to bring in technology into their restaurant. They can go, Oh, Sean used to have Aloha point of sale system. And now he's switching to a toast point of sale system and him and his general manager are making a video unboxing their technology equipment in their restaurant as if they were unboxing, you know, hot wheels. Like my son watches, yeah. my son watches videos of kids unboxing monster trucks and hot wheels. These kids have 50 million subscribers. That's crazy. They make literally $20 million a year, How, but unboxing, <laughs> unboxing videos are very popular. They're unboxing I've hot wheels. I've never heard of this, man. You haven't? No, <laughs> no. No, no joke. They literally most paid uh, YouTube Come on. last year. $20 million. <laughs> two kids. Yes. Wow. But there's something with unboxing hmm. anything, any kind of product where somebody that wants to buy the product is curious about why are they buying the product? What is the product going to do for me? But also yeah. the people that made the product, they get to see that joy of that unboxing. So whoever's listening to this podcast, no matter what business you're in, there's a chance that there's some product that you use that you haven't even thought about that vendor relationship. What if you made content for them? Yeah. Everybody needs social media content and nobody's going to do it the way that you're going to do it. Wow. I mean, you're blowing my mind with this unboxing thing, man. Yes. I mean, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Is he talking about what I think he's talking yes. about? <laughs> 100%. That's crazy. Why are we into such different weird stuff, man? I'm like, it's, you know, it's all about frequency. So no matter what we care about, all you need is an, if you have an audience of one, if one yeah. person listens to your message, if one person is moved by what you're saying, the chances are with 7.8 billion people on the planet, there's a lot more people out there that care about what you say.
Most definitely. Oh my goodness. What are some of the, um, I don't know how to maybe pitfalls or maybe some of the mistakes you've made with doing social media yourself throughout the years. Good to have both sides. I think to see like, maybe you're like, Oh, I would have done that better. You know? I mean, social media is something that, I mean, I live and breathe every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that I'm very, I'm always on the side of all the good things that come, even though I'm well aware that there are plenty of negatives that come Mm -hmm. with, you know, the amount of time and investment that people make with social media and the amount of anxiety and depression and so many things get amplified, misinformation. Sure. I mean, that you can go on Netflix and see plenty of documentaries oh, about yeah. all the ills of social media, but the good that goes ignored and the good that goes uncelebrated of technology and all these things that we're able to do, I think is it's so much more important for me to share um, because I know that if my grandfather you know, back to that village that he was born in, if he had access to the internet, he would have been able to do so many incredible things. And he did incredible things. But it's that internet access, you know, that access to the internet that allows us to share the stories that we care about. We don't need permission. We don't need some big media agency. We don't need a PR firm. We can do it ourselves. We can build that audience of one and that audience of one can become an audience of two. Things that we've done wrong with social media, I, you know, every single day is a day that you know, <laughs> we're not perfect. How about that? We're not perfect. Um, there's plenty of things that we've done wrong. Uh, you know, trying to find out probably one of the best things that I did was understanding that the, my business life and my personal life is one life. Mm. So understanding that I have a personal Facebook page and I have a personal Instagram page and a personal Twitter account and a personal LinkedIn, but like everything I do is who I am. So whether it's business, whether it's being a dad, whether it's being a husband, whether it's being a sports fanatic and Chargers fan and Padres fan, and whether it's about podcasting, whether it's about content creation, whether it's about hospitality, it's all me. So I stopped segregating. I just put whatever I want on. I stopped worrying about Oh, what's somebody going to think of me if I post on my personal Facebook feed, something about the restaurant, you know, early on people would say, well, yeah, we know you own a restaurant. Why are you posting on your personal feed? Mm. Something about, you know, your barbecue contest or your charity event. And I go, well, if that's who I am. So if you have a problem with that in your feed, then just unfollow me. And then you shouldn't be my friend. (laughs) Like that, you know, it was that aha moment where it's like, I don't care. Like, you have the ability to unsubscribe. That's Just true. unsubscribe. Stop. Stop following me. Unfollow me. If you have a problem, like literally, this is who I am. <laughs> so when I come to see you on Thanksgiving or I see you at the Charger game, like I'm not somebody different. I'm literally the same person. Yeah. This is so strange like that. We kind of got to this place where people are like, well, I don't want you saying that or doing that. But like, wait a minute. Like when I was growing up, if I didn't like something, I just wouldn't watch it. I yeah. just... I'd be like, oh, I don't like that show. I'll be in Correct. the other room. Correct. <laughs> like, oh. yeah. All of a sudden it's like, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. I was like, no, no, but just don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the it, like we don't, I don't need to be policed. Just don't follow me. Just follow you. Yeah. He's literally fine. telling them to unfollow you. No like, problem. It's, it's, it's no problem at all. <laughs> like, if you don't like the Chargers, don't go to the Chargers game, man. Correct. <laughs> don't watch yes. the don't watch Yes. If you don't you know? like the Chargers, then don't come to our bar. Like we're a Chargers bar. I mean, you know, it's not listen. gonna change. Yeah. yeah. Okay, question. Sure. Justin Justin Herbert, 
Is it going to be as good this year as last year? Better. I think so too. Better. Yeah. I think so. Really excited. Yeah. Really he, excited. He was, was my quarterback steal, last steal year. Of the draft. Oh, he was steal of the draft. Amazing. Unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah, super excited. And he likes to barbecue too. So. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. He's got a, he's got a Traeger. He cooks a brisket every time they win. <laughs> what? <laughs> my, my, one of my friends that works for Sports <laughs> Illustrated, uh, he, he, he wrote an article about it. It was awesome. That's fantastic. Yep. <laughs> That's really amazing. What has, when doing this company, what surprised you the most about what you've done so far? I think what surprises me the most is how much more we can do. Oh. You know, for how much we've accomplished in 13 years, I'm, I can't be more excited for what next year is going to look like, what two years is going to look like what three years is going to look like because we're building on the backs of giants. Yeah. You know, I don't need to invent Facebook. I don't need to invent Amazon. I don't need to invent Twitter. I don't need to invent Yelp. All these things are there. These are just tools for us to use. These technology companies need us just as much as we need them. That's true. And the more that I lean into that and the more that I start to create content for these tech companies, for these partners that we have, the more I realize like, this is just the beginning. Like we're in the beginning of this gold rush. Like this is the roaring twenties, you know, where does it go? Where does it go from here? And I've asked this to several people in tech and all that, but I loved you getting your projection or idea or speculation. We're in this big time. What's the future of it? I mean, I think the future is it's, it's a blending for me. It's a blending of what technology is going to be able to do for businesses to not just replace jobs, but to improve jobs and mm. to improve hospitality. Because really that's what's happening currently at our restaurant. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we laid off 29 employees. That's a lot of people that we love and care about. Servers, bartenders, hosts. And we retained about 26 employees. And those people helped us with takeout, with delivery, um, with cooking barbecue, with literally just surviving as a business. And yeah. not only did we survive, but we thrived. We literally built a better business and we improved technology in our restaurant so that when people did start coming back, which they are now dining in our restaurant, we're using, like I said, to toast point of sale to help people order and pay from their table. So literally everyone that walks into the restaurant, they get barbecue on their terms. They don't mm. have to wait for a server. They don't have to wait to be seated. Literally, they come and they dictate how they want their service. And that creates what I call oh shit moments. Like yeah. literally these oh shit moments where before you would call for a taxi cab and you would wait, you know, five That's minutes true. on hold, you would get greeted by somebody that was so rude. So they were so true. upset that you were calling. <laughs> and then you would go, you know, can you please send me a cab, please? Yes. And tell me like how far, how long is it going to be? Well, it'll be between five and 45 minutes. Like, yep. Well, that's not a very good window. Like I have no idea. And now you have Uber. Yep. You know, you have Uber, you have Lyft. It's literally digitally just tells us where it's going to be. That's where the world is going. It's how do you make things easy? The most valuable thing that everybody has is time. Mm -hmm. So the more that we remove the, the time equation for whatever product business or whatever we're selling, the easier that you make it. I mean, why is Amazon so successful? It's one right. click, one click. Don't make it hard. Don't make it difficult. If you have a website, if you have a business, it needs to be mobile first. Just look at the numbers. The numbers are all mobile. Everything's mobile. 
And then yeah. everything's audio. We're bringing in, you know, Alexa into our house. We're bringing in Siri. Like everything is based off of the internet and you have to be digital. But not only digital, you have to have a hospitality focus. You've got to personalize that interaction. It can't just be automated. You know, the more personalized it is, there's so many companies that I use now. The reason I bought a Peloton was because my friends sold it to me through Instagram stories. Right. I got tired of seeing my friends working out and having <laughs> a good time and posting about their Peloton that me right. and my wife, we got a Peloton. Yeah. And now guess what? I've sold probably 10 Pelotons. <laughs> right. Like, that's how, that's how things sure. are getting sold. Like that's yeah. the world that we live in. It is the world we live in. And it seems like for restaurants, I kind of saw that like I would, uh, pre-pandemic, I would travel to a certain place like Washington, D.C. And I remember going to a restaurant there. There were no servers. It was yep. all through like a digital kiosk. Yep. And then the food comes out. Right Boom. away. Right yeah. away. And I thought, man, there's something about this that's magical. Yep. Save me time in the airport. Save you time. More of that's happening in the restaurant industry, it seems like, Correct. right? And beyond. So what's the next stage of that? That's a great question. And we'll, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be different footprints. You know, I mean, mm. I've, I'm, I'm in San Diego, but we're recording this. And my backdrop is, is of Manhattan. And the reason why yeah. I put this backdrop is because I, it forces me to think big. You know, the landscape of business, not just small business, not just restaurants, not just bars, but all business, mid-sized businesses, big businesses, we all have to think differently. I mean, look what the pandemic's done. Yeah. I mean, how many people have been on a Zoom call? Like yeah, exactly. Multiple Zoom calls. But how many people think like, maybe there's a better way I can do work, or maybe there's a better way that I can teach my kid, or how much time is it saving me to, instead of going to a doctor's appointment, to just check in with my doctor from my house, because they don't need to see me and they don't need to check my vitals. Yep. You know, not every single appointment. Now I'm now I've saved three hours instead of, you know, and who's who's benefiting from that? The insurance company is benefiting from that. The patients are getting better care. Like so many different industries are getting impacted by this, and it's it's exciting. It's exciting once you understand that there's not just the game is happening, but there's a game within the game, and there's mm. so much opportunity to build a business, no matter what industry you're in, based off of what's going on on on, on a smartphone. Most definitely. I tell you what, there's chunks of information coming out of you right now in this whole thing. Sean, you're the man. This is appreciate awesome. That. And, and not only that. do I get to chat with somebody who's obviously doing really well in business and creative, I just get to meet another interesting person. I mean, just, I feel like that's my life all the time, meeting interesting people. Well, you've are, put yourself out there and you've built a platform and you, and it's about the consistent, persistent pursuit yes. of your potential. Yes, consistent, most persistent pursuit of your potential. And you that's keep it. doing it, you keep improving upon it. And that, that's the best thing about podcasts is it forces you to be a publisher, your internet publisher. So you have to always learn, where else should I be? How else should I get my message out? How should I, you know, repurpose the content from the, the podcast episode? Mm -hmm. How can I get more people to listen? How can I impact our listeners better? Most definitely. I mean, it's great information, really excellent information. I would love for you to plug all your stuff, man. Let everybody know where to find Absolutely. you, how to watch. Absolutely. Get I appreciate it done, man. that. Yeah. So if you, uh, you want to check out our podcast, it's called digital hospitality. That's on all the podcast platforms. You can go to Cali bbq.media. That's our website for our restaurant media company where our blogs are our podcast as as well as if you're in San Diego and uh, you listen to this show, um, hit me up because I'll give you a VIP behind the scenes tour of what we're doing 
um, at our master smokehouse and media center. Um, we're building out some ghost kitchen locations and I'm always down to talk to anybody about anything we talked about today. Um, on social, it's at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. And um, yeah, I'm grateful for the opportunity. That's awesome. And, you know, pre-pandemic, I was uh, in San Diego probably once or twice a year for uh, fitness conferences as my business. And uh, next time I'm there, I'm going to be contacting you. I got to eat at your place, man. I got to eat there. Well, I'm I'm following, I'm following you on social now. So if you come here and if you come here and you haven't hit me up. (laughs) He's going to know. Winnie the Pooh will know. Winnie the Pooh will know. Barbecue Pooh. <laughs> Barbecue Pooh. Sean, yep. thank you. You're the man. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. I appreciate Thank you, you for thank listening you so to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>